Hey everyone, uh, we've been trying to introduce ourselves for the past 10 minutes and so we thought we would just start talking and see. This is, this yeah, this is us. literally the fifth time. This is but, probably the sixth well, no, time. No, this is the sixth time now because last the time there's time. a door in the background. <laughs> but but Angie, what are we what are we looking to do today? Um, we've just finished our first season and we're in between finishing our first season, recording our second season. Jay, the last in between episode we did was halfway through season one. So now we have... 10 full episodes under our belt and we have a special guest with us today as well which i'm super special excited guest. about especially behind guest, the um, scenes the entire yeah time. behind the scenes we don't have like video on this so for context on is wearing a headset that i think she got from linkedin that <laughs> how do i describe this it's gonna expose me so early in this fall we gotta expose you on keto people gotta she know a, you she was also sharing how she gets nervous when she's like put on the spotlight and how when she was in high school or in school she wasn't able to get any of the leading roles do you, do you mind uh, highlighting that story a little bit on keto basically for like any theater thing i would audition because you had to audition and like I just remember one time it was my friend and it was like a love scene and I like started laughing at him like during the audition <laughs> and he was just like why are we doing this and I was like cool 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 I'm gonna be a dancer in the background this was great <laughs> hide in the back <laughs> yes I will do a costume change I will love it I'm good with that <laughs> So for those who don't know, Ankita has been helping us a ton uh, over the past few months. So much, not a ton. What's, what's like the next metric measurement up from a ton? Is there a word for that? (laughs) I'm, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of whatever that ship in the Suez Canal was. Oh, like whatever, 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 ever whatever, given, whatever. Jay, the ever given. Akita <laughs> has helped us in ever given. <laughs> Can someone make a Six meme months. from that, please? Yeah. Slap Akita's face on that. No. Way. Oh my god. Oh my gosh. Veto. Veto power. So, so Akita's been helping us more than a ton to be able to honestly do a ton of stuff. Frankly, just be like the 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 third person in this journey with us how to like distribute the podcast like managing all of the social media channels and and honestly just being a really nice ear um to go to and, and someone who really cares about the asian american culture the asian american identity and and keto was, i was super excited when you were you know agreed to take on this project yeah, along so your exciting. 30 other projects but it's been <laughs> it's been awesome to work with you and awesome just to like hang out and get to know you a little bit more as we're going through this project and then we yeah, can or kind of got, words expose her expose. <laughs> even though we're just sharing how much we love <laughs> Expose you. exposed um yeah Ankita's official title i think is director of content strategy and community right i or, think you wait, added strategy fancy, fancy. so i think we, we talked about it i don't think have we had a performance yet <laughs> yeah we have like a, a 360 <laughs> review yet on this no but, but more than that ankita has just been speaking for myself and i'm sure jay as well an incredible friend an incredible sounding board through this whole journey an incredible source of energy and ideas so sending much love yeah, oh, and, and, and Ankita, if you can, like a, a little introduction about yourself, where you're from, like, why are you interested in this project? Would love to have you highlight that for people as well. Yeah, I mean, to start, all of the energy I put into this is a reflection of 
my podcast parents, Jay and Angie, oh my gosh. Um, and how much love they put into this. Um, introduction wise, I have to do this a lot because I'm currently contracting. So like every time I join a call, they're like, introduce yourself. And you think that I've gotten better at it, but I actually, in fact, think I've gotten worse at it. Like I know less about myself every time. <laughs> Such uh, is the human existence. <laughs> I know less about myself every the time. More, yeah, the more you know, the less you actually do. <laughs> Um, things that are still true about me, um, I'm currently in Detroit with my family, was born and raised here, um, went to school in New York and then bounced to SF, but New York has my heart. So for anyone repping the city, we'll hope to be there soon. I am currently freelancing. So I met Jay through LinkedIn and then Jay introduced me to Angie, but I'm no longer there. Specifically with, with related to LinkedIn, you, you went through like a really difficult process and it seems like from the external, from the outside and just talking to you like as friends that you've been able to actually work through that and find a lot of really cool opportunities and things that you're working on from a contractor perspective, but also things that you're uh, working on from like an Asian American identity and like culture and helping organizations out. What's that process been like for you? Like, obviously it's, it's been difficult. It's not always easy. Um, but it seems like you've come out the other side of it, um, I guess, like finding all these really cool opportunities. Yeah. So for context, I was a part of the business leadership program that Jay was a part of a year after. So we were supposed to move from like the rotational program to sales in March of last year. And then the pandemic hit. And so we were kind of put on indefinite hold where it was like, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. And then August rolled around and they were like, actually, we're just like wiping the slate clean. Like we have to let you all go. Which I think was more a bummer from the sense of like, I loved my team. Like, um, I think it was an incredibly diverse team, like so many different backgrounds and perspectives. And it's also fun to be on a sales team because everyone's an extrovert and like I thrive off that energy and um, everyone's really outgoing and a good listener. So that is definitely the thing that I was most sad about just because I love showing up to work and like having this corner full of people who I considered friends so quickly um, also be the people that I spent eight hours a day with like how many people get to say that um, but I feel like I can say this now I feel like I'm sufficiently out of the program um, I didn't want to do sales when I applied to BLP I was actually the ad operations intern but LinkedIn didn't have an avenue to go from like add stuff to add stuff. So you could either join the sales program or apply to one of the two other programs. And I was like, yeah, I can do sales. Like, let me just see. And I remember like that summer, in the summer of 2018, I spent like two weeks convincing myself that I would wanted to do sales so that when they asked me why sales in the interview, I, I would have an answer and like really doing that. But I Wait, think- What was the answer? You put you on the spot. <laughs> oh, let me try and remember. I think it was, and this part is true, is like, I think sales is fundamentally about listening to people and understanding their perspective and then kind of like giving them a solution that they actually need. So I think that like really well done sales processes have that like bit of human connection and empathy. And I did like that. And I kind of realized like, how automated the sales process is when I was actually at LinkedIn. I was like, ooh, I get bored. 
very easily. And so I don't see this lasting a long time. So even like while I was still at the company, like I think around June, I was like trying to scheme my way out of sales anyway. So like the layoff happened and I was like, okay, like bummed about these things in all these ways. I think it's an opportunity because I remember very distinctively um, worrying that I would never be able to leave LinkedIn. So in some ways it was like, it feels like a push out of the nest where I wouldn't have left myself, but I would have kept asking myself the question, like, is this what I want to do? Like, can I find another place for, for myself at this company? And like, maybe the answer would have been yes, but like, it, call it the universe, like whatever force that we can't control. I would say that it um, had to happen, happened for a reason. And so definitely been able to focus on some projects that are closer to my heart since then. So started a newsletter with my friend that uplifts POC creatives, which has been really fun. Um, get to work on this podcast, which has just been really interesting, especially given all of the current events around like Asian American identity and anti-Asian racism and violence. Um, and also like working with some really cool people that I don't think I would have had the chance to meet otherwise. So like some BIPOC focused startups and um, I'm editing a book with a friend and that's really cool. So just like, I don't know, I remind myself that my like 13 year old version of me would be really, really impressed with the current version of me. Even if I currently don't feel like I know what I'm doing, I'm like, it's okay. 13 year old me would have loved it, would have bought into all of it. Um, so yeah, so I feel like a lot of getting laid off of LinkedIn, I see it as a blessing because I think that there have been times that have been really difficult because I feel really lost and really uncertain and like pretty doubtful about what comes next. But for the most part, I would say that I've been able to get really introspective. I've been able to learn a lot about myself. There are a lot of like, I think things that would have preoccupied my energy and my mental space that just don't because I don't have to think about like what it's like to be an Asian American working in a corporate space, like what it's like to be, you know, doing a job that I don't completely feel attached to. Like those are things that I don't have to think about, which means that I've been able to think about and consider um, very different things, essentially, not better or worse, but different. Would you say some of the biggest revelations you've had about yourself were, and also side note, like going back to the, th the theater comment earlier, Ankita, you're a natural storyteller. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, it's so funny because we've only been on just like conversational calls, right? Like we've never had like a, let's all sit down, like chat about this and that and like go on at, at length about like storytelling. We're always talking about like, you know, like content or like strategy and all this stuff, but what are you talking about? I cannot imagine you ever being like a backup dancer. <laughs> um, I always forget my lines. So I have gotten lines a couple times and like, there's always one performance of like the seven night performance where I like really say something wrong and like can't come <laughs> back from it. Like I know that it's wrong. Everyone in the audience knows it's wrong. There's like a moment where I'm just looking out into a sea of, you know, blackness because you can't see anything on a stage. And I just know that they all know that I also said it wrong. <laughs> Staring to the abyss. The abyss knows that you messed up that line. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. No <laughs> but side note aside, would love for you to share about like some of the things you've learned about yourself, especially the ones that were surprising. Yeah, I feel like I've been lucky to have, I think, a spiritual community through it. So 
Um, I have had like a life coach. I have had, you know, good friends who are also really invested in like inner work and like excavating and uncovering like what is actually happening. And so I think some of the things I've learned are just like, I used to be someone who had a five-year plan. I was like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to move to San Francisco for exactly two years and live in this apartment with these people. And then I'm going to move back to New York and like, you know, transfer offices. This is when I still worked at LinkedIn and was like, I can't leave. Um, and that kind of all just fell apart with the pandemic. And I was sitting there and I was I remember like I wrote in a journal and I was like, in this, you know, month of, you know, stay at home that we'll have, like, I want to accomplish like learning a new language and like painting three masterpieces, right? Like I was, <laughs> I was going to, I was like going to take over the world. And then like the end of that month, nothing happened. And I was just really anxious. And I was like, all right, there's some other things that we need to do before we learn, you know, French and paint some paintings. Like let's, let's get a little bit deeper. And so I think learning that so many of the things that we try to control, we can't control has been a big one. Um, so like, I can't control what happens to me. I can't control like who's going to respond when I reach out for job things. I can't control just like most of the daily circumstances in my life. Like I can't control when I get a job or like when I leave my childhood home or how, you know, my parents feel about it. They're, they've been really lovely. So they've been great about it. But in general, like the thing that I can control is my response to it. And just like learning that like anxiety is not something that I have to deal with constantly. Like I don't have to be angry. I can like pull back from things that I don't like to. I don't have to like overthink certain things or worry about certain things. And so just like realizing all of the things that I thought I couldn't control, like my emotional reactions and like my physical state of being and like my mental wellness. These are things that I thought were reactive and I think they aren't. And then the things that I thought were in my control, like my life situation and like how people respond to me, those are not in my control at all. And there's also like just a lot of peace with I think letting go of that. But yeah, I think I've learned mm. to like extend the same grace and forgiveness that I extend to others, to myself, which has mm -hmm. been, you know, mm -hmm. good. Like if I don't finish something, I'm like, it's okay. Didn't need to be done. Or like time is fake is a thing that I say a lot to everybody because I think artificial deadlines are <laughs> the absolute worst. And I really don't believe in productivity as a form of self-worth. So these are things that I try to send out into the system. I need a moment what? to digest that. I love that last line you said of productivity isn't a form of self-worth. I think that that hit me really hard because I think that's, especially this week, Jane on key to know, but just for context, I just, it's been a nightmarish week of just constantly sprinting at work. And I was thinking about it more today, actually, and tying it into the podcast of how there's just so much going on right now that we feel like we can't control, right? All the violence against our community that every single day you look on social media and there's like another picture of a battered face of an elderly person. It's just, just like such an overwhelming sense of powerlessness over the situation. And I think I've responded to that in a way linking to your point on key of like productivity of like almost trying to like abstract that away through working, you know, and just like being productive and thinking that like, okay, I can control my 
output. I can control my work. That is what I'm going to focus on, but not really taking a step back to sit with the grief truly, Mm -hmm. and just trying to abstract that away through work. So yeah, what you said there just, just really hit me really hard. Um, I think on, you know, if there is a silver lining to all that, at least for the podcast, I've been reflecting on this as well of how amidst all this hopelessness and, you know, powerlessness that I've been feeling. And I'm sure you guys have been feeling to an extent too. It feels like we can make a small tangible dent, at least with the work we're doing for the podcast, albeit we're not saving lives or not preventing elders from being assaulted, but all these are interconnected. And the more that we can elevate the conversation about being Asian American in general, whether that's in the workplace, in the boardroom, on the streets, and we're protesting, like the, the, the more that we can actually create bigger ripples. So I like to think of this as like our little dent in the universe and it's been keeping me going and you guys have been keeping me going. So much appreciation. That's something that I've been thinking about a lot in terms of, I am someone who believes that, you know, like things happen at certain times for certain reasons. And I've been asking myself the question, like, who would have predicted that we'd launch this podcast and then there would be such a rise in, you know, conversations about like what it means to be Asian American and like at work and at home and in life. And I just, I feel like it can't be a coincidence that these things have happened at the same time, but it's interesting to suddenly feel like we're a part of constructing the conversation rather than just receiving it. And that feels like a responsibility Mm -hmm. that I want to really honor and really do justice to, which is why it's so nice to work on such a thoughtful team because like every time something does happen, we're checking in on one another, we're figuring out like how we want to, uh, you know, reach out to our community and like what we want to say. And um, I agree that it's definitely been like a bomb in terms of everything that's happening to feel like we can at least do this. Yeah, a big, big virtual hug to you all. Hopefully after COVID or after we all get vaccinated, we can make that an in-person hug, but for now, <laughs> big virtual hug. Uh, I was I was just going to add on that too. And thank you for both for just being vulnerable and sharing and, and just uh, like articulating how you're feeling. And I'm just getting emotional, even just listening to both of you. And I think uh, on the contrary, Ankita, it's, it's been kind of hard to articulate like a strong perspective over issues that you're also just trying to get educated on and learn about. And I think one, one moment specifically, and I'll, I'll make the guest name uh, anonymous for now, but one of our second season guests, it was, we recorded this literally, I think the day or the day after, um, I don't know, like the, I guess like the second or third big news cycle of the Asian American violence was, was really like getting around and, and everybody was talking about it. And it was just a, a pretty tough day to begin with. And then we had already had a recording uh, scheduled and we got on the call in the first like three minutes, our guest, very like, you know, awesome individual, really respect him and really appreciated this comment, but it also like kind of put me under a little bit of stress, which is, Hey, uh, what are you guys going to be doing? What are you guys going to be saying? You guys have a platform now. How are you articulating your message and what, what, like, what do you want to say? And it's hard because first you need to digest all the information and learn what's even happening in the community and then be able to articulate a perspective. And I think I've really leaned on both of you to be able to provide like what that perspective is and articulate that, but that's been, that's been hard for me. 
to to first learn and then like express an opinion on something that you're still kind of trying to figure out. And so I, I appreciate both of you for really helping and stepping up for those types of things because it's really hard. Um, Angie, like on the top of your days, like after like 6 p.m. meeting or something, like you're you're like writing like a really thoughtful and and, and difficult and emotional LinkedIn post or Instagram post. Um, but that's been that's been like one of the more uh, poignant more moments for me over the past few months, and, and it's been it's been difficult. But I know it's like again the silver lining of it is you actually have to go and articulate a perspective, and that's a really positive thing as well. You know, transitioning a little bit. <laughs> Um, I want to I want to kind of highlight some of the last like season and and kind of talk about our favorite guests and talk about you know all of our guests are our favorite guests if any of the guests are listening, <laughs> but but some of the moments that really stood out for you for both um, Angie and Ankita, um, some of the lessons you've learned and then also at the end want to kind of talk about where we're going with this and and some of the things that we're really excited for um, in season two. So Angie, I kind of want to start with you. What kind of when you think about a conversation that really is standing out for you over the past few months of us recording and interviewing, do you have one that kind of stands out? Oh, that's so tough. Cause again, all our guests are our favorite guests, Jay. <laughs> we don't play favorites here. No favorites. No favorites at all. I'd say the ones that have stood out to me at least the most are the ones where I can see a bit of myself in the guest. Right. And I think that's such a big reason why we're doing this podcast to begin with. Cause again, we say this over and over, but you can't be what you can't see. And I think the beauty of this podcast is that we all have been able to see ourselves or some fragment of ourselves so much in almost every single guest that we've talked to, whether it's an immigrant background, whether it's, you know, one of the guests I'm going to talk about, um, Jen Whedon, she's literally like the same height and size as me. <laughs> it's things like that, where you like see a bit of yourself in these leaders and it gives you hope that, Hey, I can not only achieve that professional success one day, but I can also share my story in the vulnerable way that they have. And I have the permission to like speak about being Asian American at work, which is something that I feel like previous to everything that's been happening the past few weeks has been a topic that's been really hard to talk about. So bring that all to the forefront. For me, you know, the two guests that I think stand out most in my mind are one, Deb Liu, who at the time when we talked to her, she was at Facebook still as the VP of Marketplace. And she actually recently assumed a new role as the CEO of Ancestry which I don't know how many, if there's data out there and how many Asian American women CEOs there are, but I'm assuming very few. So that just gave me so much hope because a big picture dream of mine has always been, I am going to be in every boardroom and every table where decisions are being made, where people who look like me haven't had the opportunity to be. And for me, that means being an executive somewhere. I'm only like in my mid twenties. So again, very far off. Um, but just seeing her and seeing myself in her and seeing her be in that position and take it on with such grace and all the writing she does and all like the, you know, the sharing of knowledge that she brings to the world is just so inspiring, but I just feel seen, you know, and I feel like I see someone, I see myself in someone who is in a position where I want to be. So definitely Deb. And the other that I alluded to earlier, um, Jen Whedon, she leads our business development team here at LinkedIn. And I, I've had the privilege of working with her on several projects. And 
she's become just a, a really trusted mentor and sounding board of mine for work-related things. And I think it was, it was just such a privilege to speak to her about um, outside of work too. But I think specifically in the context of work, because I have the opportunity to work with her, I get energized whenever I see her in the same meetings as me. Cause I'm like, okay, there's someone who looks like me in this meeting who is modeling what executive presence, what showing up as an Asian American woman looks like. And I can learn from that and I can see myself in that. And I think that's so incredibly powerful. And I hope that through the podcast, even though, you know, it's not a meeting, you don't get to see Jen in, in, in action, but hopefully just by hearing her story, you can see a bit of yourself and, and her as well. So those would be two of the guests that stick out for me. Jay, what would that be for you? And Ankita too, since Ankita has been instrumental in crafting the, the content and the narrative around a lot of this too. I'll bounce it off to you guys. I'll, I'll go first to give Ankita some time to, to think about her own. Um, yeah, I mean, as we were, as we were speaking, Angie almost like reiterated what I wanted to say and like rethought what I wanted to say. And, and on, on the point of you see people who kind of look like you and are following a journey that you may want to follow in the future. I think like Samir really comes up. So Samir, I think he was our fourth guest. Um, we, we had met in 2017, just through a connection, um, also through work. And uh, just meeting him for the first time, like he was such an, it was such an inspirational conversation. I don't know if like the last time you all have had that, but at the end of the call, you're just feeling super jazzed and energetic. And you're like, wow, this, this person is amazing. Hearing, hearing him talk about um, some of the specific challenges that he dealt with when he was raising money and some of the different, the difficulties that his parents had after 9-11 of people kind of sharing that he was like a terrorist and, and like making fun of him and his family and, and how he looked. And, and, and even though he's like a, like an Indian person that really, ref that really impacted me because a lot of similar stories from when I was growing up, like we didn't, we didn't necessarily face like as a family, like overt racism. Um, growing up in the Bay Area. That being said, you know, after 2001, it was really difficult for like really anybody of color to be able to get or anybody to get immigration in the United States. And um, my parents tried and tried and tried and they never were able to get it. Um, ended up landing up in Canada, which is awesome. Um, but they really had to sacrifice a lot of their life. Um, they had built up such a successful business for themselves. They were like, crushing it. And then they had to like leave uh, because it was just so difficult to like get their full citizenship there. And so when, when Samir was sharing about his story and his parents and um, it, it just really resonated with me. I think Harpal as well. Um, you know, he's a, he's a Canadian, like Indo, Indo Canadian. Um, he went to school in Canada, like, uh, came to the Bay area after his education. And so there's a lot of, a lot of similarities in terms of vibe and like background with him too. Um, but like on a, like, you know, someone doesn't necessarily look like me, but I really resonate with what she said. Um, Lindsay's, Lindsay's ideas on transracial identity was the first time I had really interacted with that idea before and was able to kind of understand what that meant, like hear from her, her own experience on it, and then also go learn about it afterwards too. So that was really interesting um, to go check that episode out too, if, if, um, if you haven't heard about transracial identity. Um, but yeah, those have been, those have been the ones that have been st uh, like stuck out to me. But again, like, like you mentioned, Angie, everybody that we've been speaking to has been remarkable. Everybody's been so vulnerable and open and willing to help and willing to introduce us to folks. Like I, that's something that we talked about in our last, like in between episode, but how many people are saying yes to come onto the podcast has been a really interesting signal that there hasn't been a space and an opportunity for people like this to actually share their story, share their Asian American identity, share about their culture 
but also talk about work and how those two things interact with each other. And so that's just been, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I was that confident <laughs> that that many people would want to actually come on um, this early on. And so I think we've stumbled into that, which has been really powerful. Um, Ankita, do you have any, do you have any, one of your favorites that you want to talk about? I feel like the ones that are coming up for me right now are the ones that I got to like fly on the wall. I just remember there was one call where like I got on first and I don't know where the both of you were, but I was like, <laughs> I don't know what to do. I think that was with I've Dan, been on yeah. this project for like a week and a half. Like, <laughs> I, I guess I can start saying something like, I think he was like, who are you? And I was like, I don't know. I'm terrible at <laughs> introing myself. But yeah, I think... I sat in on Dan's and I sat in on Harpal's and I remember like thinking very um, distinctively in Dan's, he kind of brought up the question like, okay, if you have a platform and like, it doesn't necessarily like impact you, but you have the choice to essentially like do or say something that someone else can't do because they're in a different position, like, would you do it essentially? And, and that's what he does is he, you know, makes a statement. And I remember just being like, okay, if I was in that situation, like, would I have done the same? Um, and so I think we've been talking about that already in terms of, like, once you have a platform, like, what you do with it, it's, like, the very cheesy Spider-Man quote that is unfortunately or fortunately very true, like, with great power comes great responsibility. Please edit that out. I can't believe I quoted I'm giving that in. <laughs> I'm giving that in. <laughs> I love it. Oh, oh no. Okay. Um, <laughs> But I think like the answer for that question for me actually came in the next call I sat on, which was her pulse. And it was towards the end of the call. And he was talking about how they had, uh, you know, put everything into the startup. Like they were about to like shut it down, declare bankruptcy. And he called someone was just like, how do I like, you know, do this with kindness for my employees? And was really vulnerable and open about the situation that the company was going through and then ended up getting a contract that, you know, kept the lights on for six more months. And so to answer the question that was asked, which is like, what do you do with the platform? Like, how do you do right by it? Um, this is something that I feel like we talk about a lot where I say that Angie and Jay, like are the most unique and wonderful part of Across the Lines in the sense that like the brand is the people behind it. And like, as long as you're authentic and vulnerable and like sharing with sincerity, it's okay if you don't know everything or you're not as educated or as informed because you're doing your best. And I think people can see that and resonate with it and like understand that they're also in the same place. Um, and I think just like moving in that direction, I, I'm excited to see where it keeps going because I think that will continue to show up in the way we do. Um, so I think only good things can happen. Oh. Thanks, Akita. Virtual hugs. Oh, yeah, no, Angie, I'm excited when we can actually give real hugs. Um, I know, actually. When we all get vaccinated and we're back in San Francisco, can we like have like happy hours with our guests and hang out and, <laughs> and invite like listeners and like just do a thing and just party? <laughs> can we do that, please? I'll bring my uh, dog. <laughs> okay. Even as, long as, all, as long as Ollie can come. To the, the point you guys just made around how we're all trying to figure it out and no one really has the answers. I think all of us have learned a bit about our identities as well and ourselves as people through this first season. Maybe we can like share a bit about that. Yeah, I can, I can, I can tell a pretty personal story about this actually. Yeah. 
I think uh, the, the TLDR is I think I was victimizing my upbringing more than I needed to. Mm. And what do I mean by that? So like, you know, I think, I think when you have a platform like this and you have a narrative you want to share, you may try to find the difficulties and the challenges you've dealt with and really highlight those to try to show some heroic comeback kind of thing. And mm. I, th- I had done this before in the past, uh, like in early college, uh, coming out of high school, like I'd really changed my perspective and lost a lot of weight and just like really became a new person. But, and that was positive, but what wasn't positive was that I looked back on the old version of me and I kind of like bullied that person. <laughs> I was like, that guy was a loser. Like what's wrong with him? Like, I can't believe he did what he did, et cetera, et cetera. And, and when I came back home uh, to Vancouver, I'm in Vancouver right now. I've been here for the past few weeks. Um, my, my mom and my sister were like, Hey, like we've been listening to the podcast and we, we just need to make sure that, you know, that, um, you know, life, life was difficult. And like, we've had a lot of difficulties, but at the same time, like you should be highlighting some of the wins. You should be highlighting like how a lot of these things are positive and like how you do have a really good life and how your parents worked extremely hard and they built a really strong foundation for themselves, which helped me. And, mm-hmm. and I felt really triggered when they said that, cause I didn't think that that was a message that I was getting across. And so I listened again to all of the podcast and, and I noticed it. I noticed that I was just trying to put myself down and put my like heritage and culture down a little bit just to kind of come back as like a heroic story, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and, <laughs> and, that, and that has so many things wrong with it. And especially considering that we're speaking about our Asian American identity and our culture and we should be proud of it. And so I, I, that's something that I want to work on. And I, you know, that really impacted me hearing that from my mom, my sister. Um, And it's something that over the next like few seasons, I want to make sure that I'm highlighting like all the positives. Like I talked about how my dad was a cab driver, but I didn't talk about how he hustled and like got all these licenses to become a real estate agent, became one of the most, you know, successful real estate agents and build a business for himself. And the webcams off uh, for this podcast, but behind me, you can see all these awards that he won of being like the top person, like the country or the state and all these things. And so like, why don't I talk about that? Um, like, so, so I think, I think that's, and I'm still reflecting on it a little bit of like, you know, where that came from, but um, that's been an important learning for me of like, you know, don't victimize yourself, like talk about the positives, talk, like highlight them. Uh, don't negate the difficulties and the challenges. Um, you should address them for sure. Um, but you shouldn't let that dictate your narrative. You shouldn't let that dictate like what you want to do moving forward. Um, so that's been the biggest lesson for me. <laughs> and it only kind of came to me like a few days ago. Um, so I'm still kind of reflecting mm-hmm. on it. Yeah. I don't think we talked about that one yet. So no, I mean, yeah. really appreciate you sharing. And I'm going to riff for, for a bit here because like, I resonate a lot with what you mm-hmm. just said there. And I have some hypotheses and I've been thinking about this too, as to why you do that. Well, I think I do that sometimes too, but mm-hmm. I think it's hard to talk about being Asian American because we almost like perpetuate the model minority myth for ourselves while talking about it. You know, where mm-hmm. we, we tell mm-hmm. ourselves that others have had it worse, you know, or like, oh, my, my struggles are, they're there, but they're not like that valid. Like I'm, I'm still privileged because we hear that from society. You know, that's what like the narrative we hear is. Mm-hmm. And I think for myself, I, I, I totally resonate with that, Jake. If I were to think more about it and connect it to what you just mentioned, it's it's almost in a way trying to like validate that my story 
wasn't just completely privileged and wasn't in line with this narrative that society paints around us being the, the model minority, right? Almost trying to emphasize that there was strife and there was struggle and sometimes maybe overly emphasizing that. So those are, those are just like my preliminary thoughts. I, I think that's like a really interesting point you brought up. Something that I've been noticing is that when we like as people or as society lean too far in one direction, what happens is that we overcorrect and hit the other extreme before we find center. And I've been asking Mm. myself, is that necessary? Do we have to overcorrect before we find balance? And I'm I'm not sure the answer, but I, I do agree with the statement that like, because we are taught to believe the model minority, like we don't have it bad, like you're good at math, like you have the highest college attendance and success rate, like these are all things that are true to some extent and that I've experienced the privilege of in a lot of ways. Um, And then I think especially when you're first talking about the Asian American identity and first like reckoning with it, it is really common to overcorrect and be like, these were all of my traumas and all my strifes. And like, you can't negate my experience Mm -hmm. because like, I'm telling you that I had them. And I think just in general, like when operating in storytelling mechanisms, it's hard to show all the sides of the story at the same time, which is why it's cool that we have more than one season, right? Like if that was an editor for the first season, then it doesn't have to be for the second season. And I think it's a part of our own growth as people and coming into our identities. Um, but that's something where like I did, I was one of like the only Indian American, I guess, um, people who majored in English at my college. Um, and so I was used to being sometimes the only POC in the room. And it was something where like, I really wanted to understand like belonging. So I, I, my thesis in college was about belonging and identity and like, what does it really mean to belong somewhere? And it's this idea that I think for a long time, I thought that like being too American to be Indian in India, but being too Indian to be American here was a disservice. Like it was a weakness. Um, But a lot of the work that I did on that thesis was kind of looking at like, well, what is the strength of this identity? Like, what do we have access to that other people don't have access to? And so um, I think kind of flipping it and like being allowed, like allowing yourself to both validate your own experiences, but also recognize that there were strengths and assets that came out of it is really difficult but really important to do. And I think that it happens with time and it's a part of like coming into your full self and seeing all of the different parts of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like when you feel like you no longer need to viscerally react against the erasure of your story and your narrative, I think that's when to your point and Katie can like grow into your your full self, right? I feel, okay, I feel like this is high key therapy session, guys. <laughs> that's been that's been one of the one of the most interesting things to hear from some of our guests is like like they've said even recorded live i I think it was in priya's episode she's like this feels like it's therapy this is therapy (laughs) (laughs) 
it's, I mean, I mean, selfishly for us, this is, it's a great platform to be able to talk about these things and to ask people about, you know, how they're dealing with it. And if they have the answer, that's great. But like, even if they don't, it's just great to hear someone else's experience of how they're thinking about it to, to kind of, um, uh, just like uh, add another point to this, this topic we're talking about. I think a lot of it, um, at least for me has also come back to the language and vocabulary of speaking about my own Asian American identity. I, I, I think about this a lot when it comes to uh, men's vulnerability. A lot of men, um, it's my hypothesis, there's also a lot of research on this, like have difficulties being open and vulnerable because they don't see it from other people in their lives, but they also just, and because they don't see it from other people in their lives, they don't really have the language to even communicate what their feelings are and how they, and, and how they're, how they're feeling and like how to be open and, and, and share. And, you know, they, they don't learn the words. And, and so as, as, as you both were speaking, I was kind of reflecting on maybe that's what's happening with, with me of like, because I haven't like spoken about this that much. And I haven't, I, I don't really know the words for it. And when you don't, when you don't know the words for it, you just copy and paste what everybody else says and, and you try to adjust it to your own story. And you're like, and you're like, okay, like I'll just, I'll just align with like the common narrative adapted to my own story, of course, and not like not lie or misrepresented, but I use the same language and I use the same words. And I think on your point, Ankita, as we kind of go through this process and we learn more about ourselves, like we can add more nuance and more color and and more um, vocabulary and language to what the pros and cons and, and, and all the, you know, messy middle was like. And like, I mean, that that's what's kind of inspired me to kind of see if other people want to do this and other people want to connect with each other. The Atlanta shootings happened and most of it was like, if you're Asian American, this impacts you. And then I remember like a day or two after the initial wave, it was a lot of like, this is an East Asian thing. If you're South Asian, like you should be supporting East Asians. Like this isn't your grief or like your burden. And I just remember thinking, okay, so like, this isn't my grief or my burden. Black Lives Matter isn't my grief or my burden. When 9-11 happened, but it was, and it was South Asians, but Muslim South Asians, it wasn't my burden. So like, what is my burden, right? Like, isn't the, it on some level, not like the problem of a specific group of people, but a human problem? And like, can't we just like empathize and like hold space for one another, no matter how you're hurting or how you relate to it? um has been something that I've been thinking about mm. and kind of how in terms of community and like building that for across the lines I would love for it to operate as a space that is inclusive of people who just like want to hold space for one another and like allow people to show up as their full selves um, because I think that is in large part what happens to the guests and I would love to turn that to the audience mm. yeah I think community We've been talking about this from the inception of Across the Lines, and we've never gotten a good grasp until I think recently on how exactly that should manifest for us and what exactly the purpose that we're putting out into the world would be behind the community. Because something that we all hold dearly is that we don't want to be adding to the noise. You know, we want to be signal cutting through to provide value to our guests, to our listeners, to the community. And especially with everything that's been happening recently with anti-Asian violence, it's it's now more than ever to have these conversations among our community to hold space, like Ankita said, for folks who just want to learn more and educate themselves. And to Jay's point earlier, 
adopt that vocabulary. So it's something that we are still thinking about. It's very nebulous at this point. But the other amazing part about this podcast is that we've had such amazing people discover it and reach out to us. And some of these people have really, really inspired us to craft this community and think about what form it could take. And we're excited for that. Just to kind of go off what you're saying, Angie, we're really excited about this, but we're still trying to figure out what's the best way to do this. So why don't you tell us, like, give us your feedback. So if you're listening to this and you feel compelled to want to be a part of a community, connect with other listeners, maybe connect with us, maybe connect with other guests. I don't know. <laughs> We're still trying to figure it out. Uh, fill out fill out your information um, in the Google form and we can kind of go from there. We can reach out, um, kind of learn what you're looking for as well. So like, we can just keep it as high level as that because honestly, we're looking for you to provide us guidance on how we can be the most helpful but I'm excited about this. I think we're all, we all really want to be able to provide like community and connection and conversation and, and open space for people to feel like they belong. And that's why we're doing this podcast. And um, yeah, I'm really stoked to see uh, what kind of comes out of this, but let, let's see what happens in the next season R- really quickly too, just so we set the context for, you know, the next month, we're going to release this episode. We're also going to be um, hosting a clubhouse. We're going to be hosting an Instagram live. We're going to be kind of experimenting with some things. Um, leveraging Ankita's uh, innovative creative strategies for social media distribution. Um, so like, stay tuned. Uh, you'll get information on the Instagram page or via the email um, or even just like information through like listening to us. But yeah, it's been, it's been fun to, fun to chat. <laughs> this has been fun. <laughs> Emotional, been fun. like fun, vulnerable. Thanks so much for tuning into Cross the Lines with your hosts, Angie and Jay. If you enjoyed today's conversation about the intersection of work and Asian American identity, please subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review to spread the word. We'd really appreciate it. And as always, you can head over to acrossthelinespodcast.com to learn more about the show, as well as check out all the links and resources in the show notes. That's all for this episode, folks. See you next time.